My name is Sam Kellajoni. I'm the host of Discovery's newest show, Brewmasters, and I'm psyched to be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another rousing edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak, your host, and this is episode 137. This, of course, is your weekly look at what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, and, of course, our weekly interview segment where we have someone from the movie, TV, or music industry. And this week... We're going to be talking with somebody who is having a new show that starts on November 21st at 10 o'clock. The show is going to be called Brewmasters. It's going to be on the Discovery Channel. It's Sam Calagione. He's going to be joining us next in just a few minutes on On Screen and Beyond. So stick around for that. Sam's going to talk about his his recipes for brewing and, and all the other things that he does. And he's going to be searching the world for different ways of brewing beers for you and everything like that. So, uh... It should be an interesting thing, so stick around for that. It's coming up in a few minutes on On Screen and Beyond. But we are going to get right into this because we got to get Sam on the line. And let's see here. It is time for Remake Madness. It's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like the video game Uncharted Drake's Fortune is headed for a remake into the big screen movie thing and the story of Merlin the Magician, which has been told many times and Camelot and all that. It's in development right now, only this time Merlin will be brought into modern times. So that's a little bit different twist on it. And a big screen version of the 80s TV show 21 Jump Street is in the works. Of course, 21 Jump Street was what started off Johnny Depp getting him into the limelight, and that's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Upcoming movies, well, it looks like Nicolas Cage will star in Season of the Witch on January 7th, 2011. It's about a knight who is in charge of taking a girl accused of witchcraft to a monastery to be cured. And Welcome to the People will star Elizabeth Banks and Chris Pine. It's about a guy who returns home to go to his father's funeral, and he meets his alcoholic sister and a 12-year-old nephew. And Disney may pick up a script for a family adventure film called Tiki. And we'll give you more details as that develops. And uh, I I wonder if that's uh, like the Tiki Room. Who knows? We'll see. Anyways, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to see what's coming your way as far as sequels. Next on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, it looks like Winnie the Pooh will be coming back to theaters next year in a new traditional 
hand-drawn animation film, and you can look for it in theaters in July of 2011. Clash of the Titans 2 is moving along with a new title called Wrath of the Titans. We'll keep you informed as more things come our way. And it looks like Top Gun, the sequel, it seems to be another one of those on-off, on-off, on-off films. And it looks like Jerry Bruckheimer now uh, is saying that it doesn't seem very hopeful that the movie will be made. But, you know, they're saying that about all kinds of movies, and we'll see what comes with that one. So, anyways, coming up next on Unscrewing to be on TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like Spin City Season 4 will hit stores on uh, February 15th in a four-disc set. And this is the season where Heather Locklear joined the cast. And in 1965, there was the FBI with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And it's finally coming to DVD, sometimes they're saying in early 2011. So we keep our eye out for that one. And 1963's The Lieutenant will come to DVD sometime next year. So we're getting these these little feeds that things are coming our way as far as different shows. And it starred, of course, Gary Lockwood and Robert Vaughn now. And it was uh, a Gene Roddenberry show. So that'll be coming your way sometimes in 2011. And, of course, Robert Vaughn did talk a little bit about that uh, TV show when we interviewed him. And you can check that out back in Episode 94 of On Screen and Beyond. Just go to onscreenandbeyond.com and you can go scroll down to the bottom and uh or just not to the bottom rather but uh, just click on the button that says uh reruns and it'll take you there and you can find episode 94 and that's the one with uh, robert vaughn he talks a little bit about that and of course he talks about uh, being napoleon solo and all those other things from man from uncle and everything else so check that one out coming up next on on screen beyond movies on dvd that are coming your way All right, movies on DVD. It looks like Middlemen with Luke Wilson will come to DVD on February 15th, 2011. And Devil, you remember that one? Just out just a little while ago in theaters. Well, it comes to DVD and Blu-ray on December 21st. And it's about, of course, the people who enter an elevator and the devil is among them. And let's see, Dinner for Schmucks lands in stores on January 4th with Steve Carell. And you can check out our interview with the writers of that film, Cinco Paul and Ken Durio. And that's on episode 117 of On Screen to Be On. They talk a little bit about that movie, as well as their other movies that are coming out, like Lorax, the Lorax that's coming up. So you can check that out. It's all right there at onscreenofbeyond.com. Go to rerun section, and you can find all of those and many, many more interviews. I'm sure you'll find some you like to listen to. And we hope you enjoy them. So, it's now time for one more interview coming your way. And this time, we are going to be talking a little something different here. This is, you know, beer. We're going to talk about beer. Uh, It's a new show that's going to be coming to the Discovery Channel on um, November 21st. That's Sunday, next Sunday. Okay. And it's at 10 p.m. And the show is called Brewmasters. Now, we have the head brewmaster himself, Sam Calagione, and he's going to be talking about uh, all sorts of things, about how they make the process of beers. And on the show, he's going to be going out, and, well, he's going to talk about that. I'll I'll let him say it, you know, because right here at On Screen to Be On, you get the information directly from the people themselves. And it's next. Our interview with Sam Calagione, 
from Brewmasters on the Discovery Channel next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, I have the pleasure to introduce to you the star and host of the Discovery Channel's newest show, which premieres on Sunday, November 21st at 10 p.m., called Brewmasters. It's the head brewmaster himself, Sam Calagione. Sam, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Brian. Sam, i got to say, beer, TV, throwing a remote, sounds like a hit show to me. Oh, I mean, I agree. I think it's a show whose time has been long overdue, so I'm excited to be uh, part of this uh, series, the production company we worked with, VPZ, has been fantastic, as has Discovery, and uh, I'm excited to finally have it hit in the air. Yeah. Now, how did it come about? How did you, uh, did you approach, you know, a production company, or did they approach you, or how did that work out? You know, it's kind of like, I think it shows that craft beer has really kind of tapped a nerve uh, across the country, that a number of networks were, just, you know, contemplating a beer-themed show around the same time two or three years ago is when it kind of started. So we talked to a few different networks and a few different production companies. But, uh, you know, we, we basically Discovery was the ones who really got out in front of it and, and committed to it, and that's how the show came about. They kind of tracked us down. I went and served everyone at the Discovery headquarters a bunch of beer one day, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we, the courting was over, and we decided to get married and do the show. <laughs> got them all drunk, and <laughs> they said, sure, we'll do it. Took advantage of them. Got them drunk and took advantage of them. <laughs> So, uh, now, give us an idea of what the whole show is going to be, what's going to be going on during the show. Um, Sure. I mean, it's basically kind of, uh, first of all, I think it's a show that should be as appealing, and I've seen two rough cuts in two episodes, and and, uh, what I'm most impressed with is how approachable it is, and that, yes, it's fairly technical, and science is part of it, as many Discovery shows have that as a theme, but with this show, it's very approachable. Uh, it really demystifies the brewing process. Even if you're not a hardcore beer geek like me, and you're just getting into good beer, there's a lot in the show that's going to make beer exciting, and it's going to make beer uh, transparent in terms of understanding the way beer is made. So it's really kind of a celebration of the craft brewing movement, which is a, a global phenomenon of mm-hmm. people sort of trading up to more flavorful beer, kind of seen through the lens of one little company in that industry, and that's my company, Dogfish Head. Now, I was reading over the um, press release and everything, uh-huh. and uh, it says you're going to be traveling to other countries to, to find out um, how other civilizations uh, back in the you know Egyptian times in Peru and things like that, uh, how they made ancient ales? Yeah, I mean, that's been a focus of our, our company since we opened 15 years ago when Dogfish opened. We were the smallest brewery in the country, but we've always focused on our, our mission as off-centered ales for off-centered people, and by that we mean we, we take a lot of risks and use very exotic ingredients. So many years ago we recognized that if we did some research, long, long ago, many, many centuries ago in every culture around the world, beer was made with different ingredients, whatever was indigenous and beautiful and local to that area. And so we started doing these ancient beers that celebrated that longer history of brewing. And, and it's really kind of a big part of what we do now. And so this year in the, in this, in this, in the show, we got to celebrate this long history of very exotic beers from around the world by doing episodes in uh, Peru, in Egypt, in Germany, in New Zealand, in Italy. So hmm. we were all over the place, and, and that's great because beer is 
subjective and there should be you know many many different versions of beer and we get to tell that story of of the the sort of wide diverse world of beer through this series with these ancient ales that that you've been uh, now you've been making them right uh, you've learned how they've made them and then you're making them I, I presume correct right like we'll go out and just sort of go on a, a cultural walkabout in a, in a different country learn about the brewing history in that country and then bring what we learn back to Delaware and kind of do a new version of, of what we learned that's influenced uh, by the older versions. Yeah. So how do you, uh, all right, say you go to Egypt, what, I mean, do you, do you read the hieroglyphics on the, on the pyramid walls? or? <laughs> no, that's a great question. I mean, there's lots of different ways into these historic brewing pro- uh, uh, projects. In the case of the Egypt one, you're right, we went to the Tomb of Tay, which I think was about a 4,500-year-old tomb, uh, and there was represented the earliest known artistic, uh, artistic representation of the brewing process on a wall that also showed it intertwined with bread making. So we kind of worked on that and, and did a lot of study of that era and that uh, geography and pulled together a recipe that was based on those hieroglyphics. Uh, versus our trip to Peru, we went to these little dirt farm village uh, breweries and watch the, the the matrons, the women brewmasters of the village make these very simple chicha corn-based beers, and we took that back and, and made our own version. So it could be anything from hieroglyphs to uh, discovering a beer on the edge of civilization that is still being made but maybe isn't recognized as, a, as an existing style outside of a, a tribe or a, a sort of a third world, you know, lost sort of idea, and we bring it back to, to the States and do our version of it and kind of hopefully bring some recognition for these vibrant different styles around the world, and hopefully viewers will go seek out, you know, many different kinds of beers as a result of what we're showing them on the show. Yeah. With, with all the different countries you went to and, and looking at these ancient ales, is there any of them that you, you know, particularly cared for most more than the others yourself? You know, I would say I was just blown away by Peru and I mean we were out by uh, was it Machu Picchu in the city of Cusco and just the, uh, how pure the air was and how beautiful and friendly and warm the people were and you could almost taste the aesthetic beauty and the warmth of the people in their local uh, sort of raw rough corn beers mm-hmm. uh, so for me that that was the trip where the beverage we discovered was most personified the the people of that region so anytime i had sips of what we made back in the states it reminded me of that wonderful trip did you get to go to machu picchu you know we were an hour away but we were so busy scouting out all these you know authentic uh chicharias where they make the beer yeah. that we we didn't have time for that trip but uh. we climbed mountains and we got to uh, go through all these uh, dig sites, these archaeological sites that had early data, you know, early evidence of beer making in that region. Mm-hmm. So we did get to take in a lot of history while we were there. Wow! Yeah, huh? That's, that's fascinating to see, you know to, to find out how uh, they made the beer and all that stuff. It's it must be. It's I'm sure it's difficult to find out how they did those things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been doing it for 15 years now, so we've got a, you know great ways into these projects. I mean, I'm. I read a lot and try to, uh, you know, learn as much as I can. And because we've been doing it for 15 years, we're kind of dog fishette is sort of recognized as sort of the go-to brewery for bringing ancient beers back to life. So mm-hmm. we get calls from historians and archaeologists and molecular archaeologists from around the world to do these projects. And probably our, our 
most fruitful partnership is with Dr. Pat McGovern, who's probably the world's foremost expert on ancient fermented beverages out of the University of Pennsylvania, which happens to just be, you know, two hours from my brewery mm-hmm. in uh, Philadelphia. So that's been a relationship that uh, bared a, a lot of different uh, projects. Huh. Now, uh, I noticed that you also visited New Zealand, and you, you got the idea of making a tomato-based beer? Yeah, I mean, because we've been brewing with fruits and vegetables since the day we opened, literally before that, before we even opened my, my first ever batch of pumpkin ale, which is now our best-selling seasonal beer at, at Dogfish, won a, like a, a recipe contest uh, against a bunch of pumpkin pies before my brewery even opened. So we've been brewing with fruits and vegetables for over 15 years. So when we knew we were going to go to New Zealand and we wanted to team up with an adventurous brewer down there, we said, hey, what grows near you that's never, as far as you know, been used in a beer before but has fermentable sugars and, and has a really unique uh, t- taste and is, in, and is uh, indicative of New Zealand cuisine? And that's how we came rep- upon the Pamarillo, which is like a tree tomato. Mm-hmm. And unlike, you know, the tomato most Americans are used to, it is closer to a fruit. It's a little bit sweeter than our tomatoes. Still has some of that acidity, but the sweetness is further forward. And we made a, a dark, roasty porter with a wood-smoked tamarillo. Huh. So, so, you know, you said you've been doing this for 15 years. Um, how did your interest start with, uh, you know, coming up with exotic beers? Well, I mean, I was uh, I was graduating from college and started homebrewing, and I was a, a writer, and I was taking creative writing courses and thinking maybe being a professor or a writer and writing short stories and poems and stuff, and started homebrewing and recognized that a, a beer recipe could be a version of a poem, and you could get as creative as you wanted with that recipe. And so uh, my first batch of homebrew in 92, 93 had things like cherries and coffee in them hmm. and from there i said you know what this might be a really fun way to make a living instead of trying to write the great american novel maybe i can make the great american you know beer <laughs> and so it's just a hobby that spun out of control and has been a wonderful home for my uh you know creative out it's been a creative outlet and a vocation for me uh since, since i opened the bird yeah and if you love what you're doing that's that's great jeez no i know i'm lucky yeah now dogfish head how did you come up with the name of Dogfish Head? Right, yeah, I mean, I often forget how crazy our name sounds to people that aren't from your neck of the woods, but I grew up in New England. I knew I wanted to open a brewery in a state that didn't have one yet, and by the time I uh, got everything together with my business plan and raised the money, there was only eight or nine states left, and I fell in love with Delaware because that's where my wife, Mariah, whom I, I run the, the company with, mm-hmm. uh, grew up. But I grew up in New England, and there's a jut of land off of Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, called Dogfish Head. So it's a head of land or yeah. a bluff of land, like a Hilton Head type thing. And I thought it would be a great name for a brewery. Actually, it was my dad who, who thought of using that and gave me the idea for it. And we wanted a name that kind of... You know, it sounded sort of rustic and New Englandy, but it didn't reek of geography. Like if we called ourselves Wilmington Brewing Company right. or Delaware Brewing Company, how well would our beer sell in Chicago or Los Angeles? So we wanted a, a fun name that meant something special to us. Yeah. So, so were you a bunch of you sitting around one night and you were drinking and <laughs> you said throwing names around? You said dogfish. <laughs> no, it was actually when I was jogging around Dogfish Head. Uh, with my dad and I told him I wanted to open a brewery for the first time I was very nervous to tell my father that and 
without skipping a beat while he was jogging, he looked up at the street sign and said, you know, Dogfish Head would be a good name for a brewery. So hmm. uh, that's, how, that's how we got our name. Yeah. I've read or heard somewhere that you actually, uh, or maybe this isn't true, I don't know, um, one of your beers that you've made, you scraped something off uh uh, uh, some wood or something in in some country or something to to f- that they had fermented beer in or something to to come up with the yeah 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 I mean we, when we work with Dr. McGovern the molecular archaeologist he's basically scraping residue off of crockery chards or ceramic jars that are found in these ancient dig sites from China to you know Central America to to uh, Turkey. And then he's on a molecular level analyzing what that residue was and uh-huh. what those people were drinking the night that tomb was sealed thousands of years ago. And so now he can come up with a laundry list of what was in that container. And then it's up to Dogfish to take that laundry list of ingredients as a shopping list and transform that into a modern recipe. So we have to decide what ratios of the ingredients he discovered, what the alcohol content would have been, if it was carbonated, if it was filtered. Uh, all those things is up to us as brewers to, to vet, but we start with this wonderful template based on that molecular evidence. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so how long does it take to, from the point where you actually have the, you know, the ingredients that you're going to put in something, uh, but haven't tried it yet? I mean, I'm sure you go through many tests after it's, it's been started, but from the point you say, okay, we're going to try to make this beer till you finish and say, this is it. How long does that usually take? Yeah, I mean, we have the luxury of having three different brewing systems at Dogfish, so we can do, like, tiny little 10-gallon test batch. We can do 150-gallon test batches and serve that at our pub to get customer reactions, or we can just do it in our big uh, brewery that makes, uh, you know, 8,000 cases of beer a day. Um, So obviously that's how we progress. We start with small test batches, but once we decide to make a beer and we do that production batch of the beer, it's usually on average about a month from the day we brew a beer until the day it's packaged and goes out into the marketplace, into distribution. Now, do you have final say on everything before it leaves? Well, I try to always uh, be there. You know, I still, that's the part of the job that I'm still really good at at Dogfish as the president and founder. Mm -hmm. You know, I still love being the one that comes up with what we're going to do next and i like to do the first test batch with another brewer and then if that test batch is successful we hand that over to the other way more technically skilled brewers than i am i'm more of a creative-minded brewer not a technically uh Mm -hmm. advanced brewer so i usually take it shepherd a a new beer through the 150 gallon test batch at our pub i take a few kegs of that out to high profile beer festivals around the country we monitor, you know, the, the very uh, robust online beer community for that feedback, plus the feedbacks of our regular at the pub. If both are strong, then we'll make that decision to extrapolate that 150-gallon recipe up to 8,000 cases and brew it at our big production brewery. At that point, I hand it over to the, the brewing staff in, in our big brewery who are, who are way better at doing large volume batches than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, dogfish head beer? I mean, I usually just say whatever one's in front of me at the moment to ask that question. I mean, beer, beer is definitely, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. It's, it's, a, it's a subjective thing. You know, that's why there's hundreds of different wonderful American beers out there is that beer should be very different. There should be lots of different beers because we all, we all have different palates and we all expect different things and, and call different things good. So, you know, it's really, it depends on the mood I'm in. But in my house, I always have our 60-minute IPA. I always have 
our Indian Brown Ale. Uh, last night I had a Keller Weiss from Sierra Nevada Brewery and a, a white beer from Allagash Brewery in Maine. So hmm. I love drinking the beers from other American craft breweries as well. Oh, yeah. What What is the most exotic ingredient that you've ever put into a beer, whether it worked or not? <laughs> Probably human saliva, to be honest. Really? Uh, yeah, we do. We did a beer called Chicha, which is actually featured in the Discovery uh, series. It's the second episode, so I think that'd be airing uh, uh, November 28th, Sunday night, where it's that Peruvian ancient style where there's an enzyme naturally produced in human saliva that converts starches to sugar. So when you chew on the pink, the purple Peruvian corn, your saliva acts as a catalyst and turns the starch into sugars, and then you can brew with that uh, corn. So I went there and learned how to do it, and then en- enlisted about 30 of my coworkers at the brewery, and all day long we all had cups at our cubicles and while we were typing away and doing our work we were chewing on corn spitting it in a cup and we put it all put it all together and made a beer with it and of course it's a sterile process because uh we do boil the beer after the saliva is in there right so it's totally sterile and clean but it still freaks some people out oh yeah it just sounds you know. <laughs> yeah um, now you, you also write books too uh, yeah, I've written uh, three books. Uh, first, Brewing Up a Business is actually about to be re-released in a new edition, I think, in February. And then that's all about sort of the history of our, our company, more of an entrepreneurial business book. And I also wrote, wrote Extreme Brewing, which is more for home brewers and beer lovers. And I wrote a book called He Said Beer, She Said Wine mm-hmm. that I was the co-author of, along with a female uh, sommelier named uh, Marnie Olds. Yeah? Huh. Well, uh, Sam, I know you know we're limited on time here, but I want to ask you two final questions. Sure. Um, and it sort of gets us away from the actual brewing of beer, uh, but uh, sticks around with the, the TV-based part. Um, sure. What is your favorite TV show of all time? Oh, that's an easy one, The Simpsons. I, I've raised my 9-year or 8-year-old and 11-year-old children on a steady diet of Simpson reruns, DVDs, <laughs> a little bit of a Calvin and Hobbes, and Three Stooges mixed in with there, but that's the contribution that I'm making to their sense of humor education. So mm-hmm. by far and away, Simpsons is my favorite TV show. Huh. Uh, what about movies? What's your favorite movies? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm from I'm Italian-American, and my dad said he couldn't afford to give me an MBA, so he bought me the, the Godfather trilogy mm-hmm. instead. And advised me to, 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 to watch that. <laughs> so that, put, that holds a dear place in in my heart, so I'd say that The Godfather trilogy is probably my favorite movie. Yeah. Well, Sam, I wish you luck with with the show. It, it sounds like it's going to be a fascinating show. Well, thank you, Brian. Yep, I think uh, there's something in it for everyone. If you love beer, if you love science, if you love uh, technology and engineering, there's definitely something in there for everyone, so I encourage people to tune in Sunday nights at 10 p.m. on the Discovery Channel. And it premieres on November 21st at 10 p.m. Yep, 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 after dirty jobs. Brewmasters. All right. Well, Sam, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Those are fun questions. Thanks for having me on. And I want to thank Sam Calagione so much for taking the time from, uh, you know, making his suds there to talk to us, and we appreciate it. And, of course, he is the founder of Dogfish Head Brewery, and he is having a new show which premieres on Sunday, November 21st at 10 o'clock on the Discovery Channel called Brewmasters. Check it out. I think you're going to like that. And let's see. What do we have on tap? 
Right. On tap, yeah. Okay, bad joke. Anyways, uh, on tap for next week, we have a very special guest coming your way. We have Peter Tork of the Monkees will be stopping by next week. He's going to be our guest, so I hope you're going to join me. Until then, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh-huh.